Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're really blessed to have with us Pastor Peter Mord, who is uh, not only a pastor of a very fast-growing church in Palmdale, California, but he also serves as pastor liaison and for Pacific Justice Institute and heads up our church engagement office. So he keeps his his hand on the pulse of what's happening in America, not just to the church, but what's happening in America and how do we respond to that effectively. And he is involved in some very exciting and some encouraging things that I I know you're going to want to hear about. But uh, we have some other things we're going to talk to him about as well. So uh, welcome to the program, Peter. We're so glad to have you. Uh, 2024, um, there's three ways to know that PJI is on the right target with its mission and focus. Uh, What are those three ways, Peter? Well, I'll tell you, PJI has been strategically, and I believe uh, providentially placed uh, in our uh, society for such a time as this. I will tell you that um, there's a lot of evil. There's a lot of people out there that want to point out all the darkness. Um, But I'm so thankful to be partnered with an organization like Pacific Justice Institute and, you know, when we come into a new year, this is there are some new focuses, some new goals, maybe some resolutions. Um, but there's certainly some of the same concerns. And I've been asking myself and those around me, OK, what are we going to do differently in 2024 in order to make an impact, in order to shine the light in the darkness, in order to stand for truth? Um, and, you know, one of the things that I think really um, <clears throat> was was evident to me is that uh, freedom, it, it's it's not free. Uh, it was it was bought and paid for by the blood of our uh, forefathers, and and uh, we have to protect those freedoms. And I'm so thankful for uh, Pacific Justice doing just that. Yes, it's really exciting when you realize what God has been able to do through our ministry at PJI uh, by His grace, um, by His mercy. Uh, he's been able to raise up a lot of attorneys. We now have. Uh, 36 offices in think, impacting 29 states, plus our affiliate attorneys in those other states that volunteer their time. Uh, it's it's exciting to see how many people are getting help. Uh, we have over 250, 255 cases in active litigation as we speak, Peter. Uh, and then there's so many other uh, areas of engagement. Some of those we're going to talk about later on in the show that I know is going to be very encouraging to people. So we see God moving in different ways. And I just... I just know that sometimes as Christians, we can have the attitude of, well, observe the times that we're in. This is, you know, this is the end times. It's, we're seeing darkness like never before. And that's true. You know, I, we are seeing darkness like never before, or even imaginable, not only in our country, but in, in places around the world. Uh, and yet at the same time, uh, God has given us freedom to continue to do the work that he's given. And there's, uh, you know, with, with God, nothing's impossible. And we could see revival right around the corner. And that's uh, sort of the, the take that I've received recently and some of the stuff that I've, in a, a book I've read by Oz Guinness uh, recently called Carpe Diem. 
which is uh, basically seize the day. And uh, mm-hmm. that needs to be our, our hardest Christians as we move into 2024. Now, I understand an, another way to know whether we're on target or not is uh, to know if uh, truth is being upheld. Tell me more. Yeah, so I, I'm so thankful, Brad, for uh, places like uh, his channel who are who are just relentless in their pursuit of the truth and wanting to get the truth out there uncensored. Um, thank you for you know having a show like this because the really the only way to defeat evil uh, and to defeat falsehood uh, is to uh, overwhelm it with truth. Um, you know, darkness always loses to light. And uh, evil uh, always loses to good. Um, and we overcome evil with good, the Bible says in Romans. And so um, and so that's just I, I believe that's the, the good work, uh, not just good work, but God's work that uh, that you're doing and all of the attorneys at PGI are doing. Uh, we're really thankful for that. And I just just as a pastor um, to know that, you know, I'm standing up and proclaiming the truth every single uh, week and I'm encouraging other pastors to do the same. Um, but you're defending the truth. You're going into the court and you're not uh, asking about, you know, what what you feel or, or trying to defend feelings um, or, or, you know, someone felt offended. No, you're defending the truth. And I, I just think that, you know, as we start into 2024, I think before we ask what or when or how, I think we have to we have to appreciate the why. Why is PGI here? And I, I just wanted to pause and, and coming into this new year, just, just remember that why and, and be thankful for it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that observation. I know the best way to win any battle uh, is by having the courage to fight for what matters most, yes. even if it's upstream, even if it's not popular. Uh, we need to be able to, and be willing to do what's right. You know, when we read about the apostles and, and the prophets of the Old Testament, they were going upstream. They weren't going downstream. Mm-hmm. They were going upstream, and they paid a heavy price for it. But in the end, they were, they were filled with joy, knowing that they were obedient with the truth that God had given them uh, to relay it in a way that was relevant, but never compromising uh, with the ways right. of the world. And I think that is what I'm really convicted on for 2024 in our messaging. Make it as relevant as possible to connect but never compromise the truth, never compromise the message. And I'm really glad I go to a church that does just that. Uh, you know, That's I right. How many pastors out there, uh, Peter, do you think there are that, that actually modify what they preach so it doesn't offend people? They sort of carve off scripture, carve off passages from God's word when they're giving a message because they, they don't want to offend someone and they want to be, quote, relevant but what they're doing is relevancy to the extreme where they're sacrificing the liberating truth of the, the full gospel and the full word of God. What say you? Yeah, the first thing I would say is that it's not our candlestick. Uh, we are a light. And honestly, God can remove the candlestick from, from churches uh, if they're not willing to shine uh, the light the way he said to shine it, um, to be lukewarm, uh, as Revelation 3 says, it, it he'll spew you out of your mouth, out of his mouth. And so, um, you know, in World War II, uh, there were a lot of great illustrations of this. There's a lot of misinformation. There were a lot of people who wanted to stand kind of on the sideline or maybe right in the middle, ride the fence. Um, and one author put it this way, uh, those who are on the fence, may you know, the devil owns the fence. 
Uh, and I just really am praying that there are, there are a lot of pastors who are kind of on the fence. They don't, they don't know want to, they don't want to offend anyone. They don't really know what to say or how to say it. I would really encourage them get off the fence, start just preaching the truth in love. And I know it'll cause you to take some heat, but in World War II, they didn't have like all the technology, Brad, that they could have self-guiding missiles and all of those things. So you know how they knew they were right on target when they were getting the most flack. Uh, when people were shooting at them, they thought, I must be right over the target. And I will tell you that when you start getting a little bit of pushback, I, I think you'll know you're right over the target. Yeah. Well, we definitely have had pushback <laughs> before, and uh, but we're still on target and we're maintaining the truth uh, and not com being compromised, uh, a compromise of the truth. That's one thing I, once again, love about his channel, uh, this network. It's, it's about the truth um, in love, you know, so it's, a, it's from a, with a Christian filter, if you will, so that uh, we, we don't miss the love of Christ as we address the, the truth and the reality of the day. Uh, but um, that's, that's where we are uh, as a nation. We've got tremendous challenges, but we need to be faithful with the truth in love as we uh, take on these challenges and have the courage to do so. Courage people like you, pastors like you. I know we at PJI, we love to go to bat for pastors all across the country where they're being attacked internally or externally, and they need to know that there's, there's an entity out there that's willing to, at the very least, legally go to bat for them and to protect them from atrocities and tyranny. And we, uh, we're seeing that more and more when you hear about the FBI, you know, examining churches uh, like the Catholic Church, you know, mm -hmm. going into the churches to see, you know, whether they're they're too conservative, you know, really. I mean, treating them like domestic terrorists just because they're solid, peaceful, loving Christians committed uh, to their doctrine. Um, that's I think is is really a concern uh, when we see that kind of philosophy uh, permeating uh, churches, not just the Catholics, but I believe others as well. Did you know you can request free legal assistance on PJI's website? Just visit pji.org and click the Request Legal Assistance button. You'll be put in touch with one of our attorneys who can help you. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Welcome, uh, Peter, back to the program. Uh, you know, Peter, there are so many things that we're facing uh, in our nation today and and, you know, one of those problems that we see happening is this coordinated attack on masculinity. Uh, it's in, in male leadership. It's almost become like a taboo. If you in any way have a biblical worldview on this, on this issue, um, what's, uh, what's God's design uh, for this? We want to maintain a biblical worldview in 2024 on this issue. What is a biblical worldview on masculinity. Is it, is it bad and evil like the Gillette razor commercial seems to say that it is? You know, there's such a need to talk about this. So thanks for asking that, Brad. Um, you know, healthy masculinity is God's design to embrace the role and the function that he created us as men to have. It doesn't mean that we are, you know, a, have greater value or or we lord over women in some weird way. That's unhealthy masculinity. Uh, but I will tell you, most people don't understand that God has ordained men. He has set up men to fulfill a role, either in their family or in their workplace, 
um, or, or just in society to, to be courageous, to stand up for what is right, um, to, to really defend the defenseless, um, to be someone who is uh, a man of their word, man of his word. Um, and, and I'm really sick and tired of hearing people cutting down uh, the role of a man being masculine, being a provider, being someone who is providing leadership, um, that in no way takes away from the value and the function and the role of a woman at all. In fact, it adds to it. And so God has given men um, this, this baton. And every generation, I have two boys, um, and my 14 and 11-year-old, um, I'm just trying to train them um, to be loving, to be kind, but to be tough, to have grit, to have integrity, to have character, um, to be a protector, to be a provider. These are the roles that were not created by our society. They were created by our creator. You know, it's interesting. Whenever we deviate as a society from the roles or uh, what God has created, we see bad results. And what do the stats show? Well, stats show that families that have clear definition as to the role and responsibilities of the, the husband and the wife uh, versus those that have it sort of all just sort of blended in and sort of like, well, we just sort of want this, this total equality of function, not just equality of, of value in the eyes of God, but equality of function. Those who go for this equality of function uh, actually have a higher divorce rate. They, they're less happy. Um, those who have more clarity in terms of their function and, uh, and, and, and their duty and relationship to one another, they have a lower divorce rate. They have a happier marriage. That's the facts. Um, those uh, men who you know, are not providing, are not making an attempt to, to provide, guess what? Much higher divorce rate. Um, much more problematic. Um, more likely to also have dealing with issues of, of depression, alcohol abuse, uh, drug abuse, um, because they're not living up to that, that, that role that God wants them to play, which is to, to work honestly, to work hard uh, as unto the Lord and to make a good faith effort to provide for their families. Uh, sometimes with our society today, sometimes women are out there working, you know, um, and you know, part of that's our, our social culture. Part of it sometimes is, can be, be able to circumstances, but, um, but I, I agree with you 100% that our society today is, is sort of trying to, try to demasculate men. And I think there's a price we're going to pay for it whenever we diverge from what God says is good. Yeah, and, and I will tell you, society suffers fundamentally when men aren't willing just to be who God created them to be as men. And I want to I want to give you just some some stats on this. Um, as you know, Brad, my background's in psychology and counseling, and I still subscribe to several studies and in, in journals. And one of them I was reading recently, it talked about how when a father plays with his children, so just throws a ball or, or just takes a walk or does something fun with his children, whether it's a girl or a boy, um, the serotonin that's released in that child is 75% higher than when the mother decides to do something, spend some time and, and, and play with that, 
with that same child. Um, it's just not released. I mean, it is, it, it's how children are designed Yeah. on, on the inverse of that. When a, a mother nurtures in some way, when she gives a hug or when she comes to the rescue and, and aid of one of her children, that same serotonin is released. Um, and it just shows that God has created um, children to be nurtured by their mother. Uh, this doesn't mean that mother can't, can't work while the child's in school or something along those lines, but our society has turned the roles upside down and backwards, and we're wondering why the home's falling apart, and we're wondering why our, our communities are falling apart, and it's because we are, we've reversed the roles. And so I just have really been on a mission to tell dads, hey, it's okay to be the father figure. It's okay to, to provide some leadership. It's okay to say, hey, let's pray as a family. And, and hey, you know what? We shouldn't watch that. We shouldn't do that. that. That's not something that our family should do because the family responds. And there's one more stat if I, if I have time to please, share. Um, please. When a mother comes to Christ, when she comes to know Christ, um, the, the result is about 18% of the time, the children will follow when a father comes to know Christ, it's 85% of the time the wow. children follow. Wow. And so we really need to reach fathers in this nation. We need to, we need to tell them about Jesus because when the father starts to follow Jesus, the family follows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know my church, uh, has, uh, these, kind of men's groups, like, uh, it's like Bible studies, if you will. But uh, it's, it's groups of men getting together. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, just, it just makes sense, you know, for them to be encouraged and uh, uh, to encourage one another and for churches to encourage men in this regard. Uh, you know, when we talk about also masculinity, I do want to, for the record, state we're not talking about the world's definition of masculinity, okay? <laughs> so, you know, where in high school, it's, you know, it's you know, masculine to have empty beer bottles in the back of your pickup truck, uh, you know, and, and engage in um, activities with the opposite gender that are uh, unbiblical, inappropriate, non-loving, non-respecting. That's not masculinity. Uh, that's selfishness. That's someone who's not growing up to be the man that God wants them to be, which is one that learns to serve and put others first and, uh, and re be respectful of others. So uh, we're talking about a biblical masculine. There's great books out there on that, and I encourage uh, people to, to take a look at that. And also Dr. James Dobson has some uh, bringing up boys, bringing up girls that actually have some great teaching. A Wild at Heart is another great book out there mm -hmm. that I've read uh, that can really help us parents help us uh, nurture our children along these lines because our society is definitely trying to give them a different messaging without a doubt, trying to confuse the kids even as to what their gender is, uh, much less uh, how God wants us to play out that gender from a biblical worldview. Elections are coming up. And I hear a lot of people, Peter, saying, a lot of Christians saying, well, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to vote. Um, you know, there's just, it's all this fraud, all this corruption. Seems like that's uh, maybe not the best perspective to take from a, a Christian perspective. Uh, what, what say you? Man, I'm so thankful that the Bible isn't that fatalistic. Um, I'm so thankful that we serve a God that um, encourages steps of faith and encourages obedience, even even against the odds. 
Um, and, and we know that there were things, uh, that happened last election that, that, that weren't right with our election specifically here in California. I think we proved that, but to sit back and say, okay, then I'm going to abstain, then I'm going to not steward my right, my God given responsibility to, to vote my values. Listen, when you vote, you're putting that in God's hands. God said, vengeance is mine, Romans 12. I will repay. Uh, God will have vengeance on our officials if they're tampering and, and doing some of the things they did last election. So so for those of, for those of you out there that are, are kind of like, my vote doesn't matter. I live in California. I live in New York. Or, you know, it just, it's not going to count. It's, you know, what, what good is it? I would say if you want to have a voice You need to vote. And then the step further that we're really encouraging people this next election in 2024 to do is become an election worker, uh, become a poll watcher. And we're really excited because we have some people that are positioned to be working in not just the, the polling places, but also in the voting tabulating centers, the these voting centers where all of the absentee ballots are are being processed and counted. Um, and so we're going to have eyes and ears in almost every one of those centers. And we've been working really hard to get people who can have the, the resume to be able to work in those centers um, in there so we can have eyes and ears because that's really what happens when we uh, what, what can make a difference when we start to get involved. And when we have people who are who have integrity, who are willing to get involved in the election process, that's when election integrity uh, starts to happen. Well, I know there's also people out there who are thinking to themselves, you know, I wish more Christians would vote. The stats show that Christians are are not good voters, evangelical Christians specifically. They're not good voters, which I think is a terrible witness as to whether or not we really have the love of Christ in our lives. Because if a church is filled with the love of Jesus, then arguably they're going to care about people outside their church walls, including the, the pre-born and the, the sick, the elderly, etc. cetera. Um, those who are victims and not getting justice, for example. Um, and yet they're silent. And, and if, if they're going to, if they're going to care about these people, um, they're going to vote. I mean, it seems like voting is just yes. a, an automatic reaction. If you care about people and you know that voting is going to have an impact on these people you care for, then you should vote. So yes. how, um, let's say someone wants their church not to be complacent. Uh, hopefully they have a pastor that's not a pleaser of men, but a pleaser of God. Uh, you know, how do they get, get their church to register their people? It's legal. Um, where do, where do they do, uh, you know, and how effective has that been? I understand last election, you got over 500 churches you work with to do voter registration Sundays. Uh, so where do they go if they want to do that? Or if they want their church to, to learn about how to become poll workers, poll watchers, I mean, people are going to hear this and say, that's a nice thought, but that's a big leap for me. Uh, we, we, we made it very easy for them, didn't we? Absolutely. And I will say that a lot of pastors are really good with community. They're, um, they know what's happening in their community. Um, they are good at, at creating a sense of community inside their church and in their community, um, as a whole. Um, but there's two steps beyond community just because you, you're speaking the truth and you're connecting people and you're knowing the, the needs that's, that's first base. 
Second base, and this is so important, is clarity. If we can stand up and say, if you're not registered to vote, you need to register to vote because Jesus said to be salt and light. You cannot be salt and light in this day if you do not vote your biblical values. We're not telling you what your politics should be. We're not making a political statement. We're making a principled biblical statement that you need to vote what the Bible says and have clarity about what the Bible says about abortion, what the Bible says about the Second Amendment, what the Bible says about all of these issues, right? So the first, you know, community is important because if you don't have a relationship, you can't influence anyone. Clarity is incredibly important. And then here's where we came in. The church finds its voice provided accountability. And what we were telling pastors is, hey, we're going to hold you accountable. If you tell us you're going to do voter registration, we're going to call you. We're going to ask you, hey, how did it go? How many did you do? Well, Peter, I appreciate the work you're doing. Keep up the great work being a salt and light. And uh, people, if you want information about how to have your church have a, a, a stronger voice and be a great salt and light, I encourage you to go to our website, pji.org. Click churches. You'll find inf- a lot of information there and resources. Peter, God bless you. Keep up the great work. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at pji.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.